Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. This is the COB. All the stuff you need to know about day in business and markets. I'm Danielle Akuye. Okay, now let's check in and see how the local market has closed. And I'm just looking at the ASX 200 and it looks like it's pretty much flat on the day, up 2.4 points at 6,775. So all that lovely momentum that we saw this morning as a result of the strong performance particularly out of the Dow, which was up over 500 points, did not translate here. And here is the SIBO 200, not too dissimilar from the ASX 200, up 0.18 of a point. And uh, really, it was some Chinese manufacturing PMI data that really spoiled the party today. But let's have a look at the three themes and see what we have been talking about. And it is a bit of a month end fizzler. Uh, pretty much, I think when I was last looking, we are down about 3% for the month. And we're also, let's just have a quick check in. Uh, so for the month, the ASX 200 is off about 3.4%. And dare I say, if we look at the six months, it's off 6.77%. So a little bit disappointing for this Halloween evening. Now, is there a luxury boom going on? Treasury We've been discussing a lot today that major US acquisition over a billion Australian dollars as uh, Treasury Wines have bought a, a Californian wine manufacturer pretty much in the premium brand between the $20 to $40 a bottle, uh, basically segment of the market. And they're looking to raise around $825 million in equities through an issue to existing institutional shareholders. And of course, we can't get away from central banks this week and the big meeting. The two-day meeting is coming up with the FOMC. And of course, we will be hearing from Jerome Powell on Wednesday evening, our time. Okay, now let's have a look at a few of the sectors and let's see how the miners traded today. Uh, Well, basically, we've got BHP and Rio Tinto in the red, probably taking that weakness that we saw in the Chinese data. Let's have a look at the banks, whether they could put on a slightly better performance. Now, interestingly, the banks were firmer overnight in the US and with the exception of Commonwealth Bank that has sort of marginally uh, come into the Australian market, just bearing in mind that Macquarie Group was at a 100, uh, sorry, a 52-week low yesterday. Consumer staples now, broker upgrading Endeavor Group. So we are seeing some buying there up over 1.3% and also Woolworths. But do bear in mind, uh, 
We have had Endeavor's AGM today. We had a trading update yesterday, but a lot of those stocks had been quite weak in the run up to today. And the REITs also uh, might be responding to those slightly lower treasury yields that we saw overnight, because with the exception of Mervac, uh, Stockland, GPT and Charter Hall all in the green. Now let's have a look at some of those top corporate stories. So Treasury Wines touched on that. That is currently in a trading halt until uh, the November the 3rd in the morning. Ingham's came out with a cracking trading update and the market pretty much rejoicing on the back of that one. The stock up by over 8%. Looking at Resolute Mining, now they have had a bit of an earnings downgrade there. I think they've got some uh, production issues which has caused that share price to come under pressure. And Origin Energy, a major shareholder, uh, Oz Super saying they do not want to accept the current bid. So there are some of the stocks that we have been watching today. And the stock of the day was, I am being told it was Treasury Wine Estates, not ResMed. So my mistake earlier on when I was doing the programming and Koshi was joined by Mark Gardner and Francesco Destratus. Appraise in the market, and you shut for a week, and the market gets hit in that you know in that period. It's never it's never right. really a great a great right. reopening. Okay. Um, even the likes of CSL when it did the two seventy two, it it did dip back below before it before it pushed back up. So it'll be EPS accredited first year. Um, but yeah, and but this uh, tariff reviews five months away. So. I would be, you know, look, if you've got it, you believe in the business um, and, you, and you're a long-term holder, you'd be definitely holding on to it, maybe taking right. up some of the cap rows. Okay. Um, if you're fresh money, I think you can probably Just afford... You, you can afford to wait yeah. at the moment, I think, um, and uh, and go from there. So, it, yeah, it's... Because I, I, would, I would imagine this, is, this acquisition's on confidence that those tariffs yes. will be reduced and that, uh, that market gets opened back up again, so... The market cap of Treasury Wines... About eight point six, eight point seven. Yep. <clears throat> it's quite a large acquisition, so they've got yep. to get it right. Um, they're suggesting that there's there's um, EPS earnings accretion in the first year pre synergies. So mm. with synergies, you know that's got to add into that a bit. And look, it trades on 23, 24 times. Don't see a great deal of growth in those EPS numbers. Yep. Um, so so I, look, I'd be a hold if if I own it, I'd hold. Um, and I'd probably participate in the, the, the cap raising. So both of our guests today on the call suggesting that you can, if you're an institution, take up your entitlement to the offer. Okay, now we are going to move to our guest who has, uh, well, come into the studio after a flight down from Hong Kong and Martin Crabb from Shore Partners joins me now. Martin, thank you so much for coming in. Great to be here, Danny. So tell us, first of all, before we get to all the points, how is the mood in Hong Kong? Yeah, pretty buoyant, actually. I mean, I haven't been to Hong Kong since pre-COVID 
And it's clear that there's a lot of construction going on. There's a lot of luxury brands. There's a lot of mainlanders who've come to Hong Kong to, to you know, load up on all the, the Gucci's and the Ferragamo's and, and the, all, that, all those brands. I've never seen anything like it. A bit of a feeding frenzy? Um, unbelievable, yeah. So just, you know, bust loads of people getting out and buying luxury brands and then hopping back on again. So that part of the market. So one of the people I spoke to when I was there, uh, I was in an audience of people listening to the CEO of Swire Properties. Mm. And they're just saying that all their luxury stuff's up 40% on last year. And obviously that's the reopening of the, of the Chinese mm. consumer. But yeah, real, real red hot demand for, for brands. And obviously all the big European companies all, all there. I think I would have seen probably 10 or 15 Tiffany's and 10 or different 15, you know, Gucci's. And it's a whole different scale, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's not it? just one or two of them. There's like 20 of them. Wow. And you, you jump from Kowloon to, to Hong Kong Island and there's another bunch of... Um, you know, beauty shops down there as well. So it's pretty amazing. And it's interesting because that really doesn't necessarily tally, um, which we'll get to in a second, is yeah. some of that China data. But before we get there, um, I love what you wrote. The data is just too yeah, hot. So yeah. last week, this CPI reading that we had here, too hot for the for the yeah. RBA, and it's not just inflation, Danny. It's um it's credit. So today was credit. Mm. So private credit's running running too hot, uh, both housing and business credit. I mean, it's slowing on an annualised basis, but it just seems to be hovering around that sort of 0.6 to 0.8 level. Which, if you start annualising that, it's going to tick back up. And obviously, we had retail sales earlier in the week, which also surprised the upside. So you, you kind of go, you know, inflation's a little bit higher than the RBA would like it. And then the things leading to that inflation being credit growth and retail spending are also holding up. So it does look pretty obvious now that Cupto is going to see a rate hike. And I think the futures are pro- the futures are still 50-50. I think the chart is at, so we're at 4.1 at the moment. I think the November futures is about 4.2, suggesting there's a, you know, a 10 out of 25, or one in, say one in three, one in four. So you can just see the knob futures there, 4.2. So that's saying there's, mm. a, a, as I said, 10 out of 20. If you go out to the middle of next year, you're looking at not just one hike, but two. So most commentators um, we speak to have kind of abandoned the other oh, on hold mm. uh, because the data's too strong. And obviously, Michelle Bullock's, um, you know, her jawboning or her language, I should say, not her jawboning, her language has been, look, we are, we're committed in the fight to inflation. So it's got some really interesting implications, not just for those those of us that have a mortgage mm. that may be rolling off or has already rolled off, we're going to have to pay higher rates next year, mm. that's for sure. So that's just going to keep things difficult. But also just in terms of currency, there's been a lot happening in currency markets today with the Bank of Japan coming out and then this interest rate differential between what the US Federal Reserve, they're probably going to be on hold. So mm. they might stay five and a half. We're going four and a half. So it's really starting to narrow. So we might see a um, we might see a bit of weakness okay. in the USD. So there's, the there's, a, there's a lot there that we can quickly unpack. Yeah. I know we've got a federal funds futures chart. We might just pick that one up because that's really important in terms again yeah. of you know they're, they're getting um, treasury yields potentially doing a lot of the heavy lifting now yeah. for them. So uh, do you see the Fed? What, what's this chart basically telling? Well, us, it's Martin? basically saying the interest rate expectations have not moved at all in the past month. Yeah. So there's been lots of discussion, there's been lots of data, um, there's been CPI, there's been GDP, there's been a whole bunch of data, a whole bunch of Fed speakers, and the market has not budged at all. So those three lines are very closely bunched yeah. together, and they're all saying maybe one more hike, but probably not. We are we are done. There's a small probability 
that the Fed may go again next year, but it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but there's no cut. So I, th- I think the right-hand side of that says we're, we're at about, you know, just under five this time next year. So mm. maybe maybe one or two hikes, uh, cuts, sorry, in the second half of next year. But, you know, it's interesting that the, the curve in Australia has moved dramatically. Mm. We've moved up by one and a half uh, hikes but the US hasn't. So we should see the currency starting to pick up. And we do have a chart for that for the uh, interest rate differentials, which I think we'll try and get that up. So really all that staying on hold, that pause, uh, the RBA obviously under low was hoping to see the transfer mechanisms work. Maybe yeah. it hasn't been. So Is it? we're basically suggesting or um, you're suggesting that we have a catch up potentially with the RBA, which might be reflected yeah. in the Aussie I mean, dollar. That- all that chart looks at there, Danny, is the difference between Aussie cash rates and US cash rates. And we've, we've projected it using the futures market off to the right there. So you can see that the differential starts to really narrow almost back to parity. So we probably should see Aussie rates and US rates coming together. And typically when that's happening, the Aussie dollar is going up. I mean, if we can remember back to the you know 2012 and we were above parity where you know our rates our rates were we you know were five percent away from us rates so of course lots of money was coming to the aussie dollar if our if our rates were five percent above theirs ours are currently you know one percent below but as we narrow i mean those those it's not a perfect correlation as you can see but they do tend to move together generally speaking so that suggests that as the interest rate differential narrows and our rates go back to theirs then the Aussie dollar goes up maybe back towards 75 cents. That's kind of what that chart's saying. There's lots of other moving parts, as we know. There's geopolitical issues. There's, you know, the lock, the, the government lockdown. There's the, mm. the size of the deficits of the two countries. There's iron ore. There's China. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of other so stuff, let's, right? So let's touch on the China PMI because I'm actually, well, it, 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 I don't know if it was the sole reason, but it certainly mm. had an impact on the Aussie market and also yeah. the Aussie dollar. Um, we might touch on that because the Bank of Japan has also made an announcement today, but the Aussie mm. dollar is currently off by half percent. Um, yeah. yeah, so well, 0.5 percent, I should say. Um, so if we get that China PMI, PMI data up, Martin, mm. um, it looked like weaker than expected. Yeah, so it's dipped down below 50. So there's there's two PMIs out of China. There's the official government one, which get was released today. There's then the Sai Xin one, which which is what. JP Morgan and other investment banks who compile these, or Standard Poor's now, who compile these global indices, they, they tend to use that one. So we'll get that one tomorrow. That's a broader measure and it's got more small companies. So the official one came out today below 50, but I've just pulled out some of the components, which are new orders in the black line, which dipped down. But more importantly for me is the backlog of orders. That's mm-hmm. dipped down almost to where they were during lockdown. So we've obviously had a huge backlog of orders as they came out of lockdown. That seems to have cleared now. And that's got really important implications for prices. So we still, any inflationary pressure that's coming out of China has gone. They've cleared the backlog and you'll start to see import prices start to fall in China. Mm, so will they be exporting a bit of disinflation? Yes, I think they'll go back. I mean, they've historically done that like, yeah. for, for 20 odd years. They'll go back to doing that, I think. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a, a question on the Bank of Japan. Mm. I've no, got no idea really what goes on here. Yield curve control, they're still talking around 1%. What, what does it basically mean for, you know, currency and also US Treasury yeah, they're, markets? They're, 
markets. They're moving back towards letting the market set the interest rate. So they're the they're the lone ranger in terms of a central bank with a with a yield curve control policy. Like everyone else has abandoned theirs, but the Japanese have hung on to it. And obviously, with the change of governor, there's an opportunity for them to change their language. So they've changed their language in a very very subtle way. They're now saying that one percent ten years is a reference rate. It's not it's not a cap. So the market's going to test one percent on on one year. Sorry, on ten year JGBs. And it started doing that after the announcement, and it's bouncing around a bit. But the other thing is that the yen is, um, you know, 150 to the US dollar, so we haven't seen that before as well. So a lot of volatility in the sham in in the rates market and the FX markets. And I think what you'll see is that long-term um, Japanese government bond yields will start to drift higher, mm. and the Bank of Japan will sit back and let it happen. They may intervene if it moves too quickly, but they're, they're kind of backing away from yield curve control, which they need to. Their, their own inflation forecast just got revised up mm. to 2.8 from 2.3. So they're seeing inflation. Why do they want to keep rates low if they're seeing inflation? They should let rates adjust upwards. So much happening at the moment, and we will uh, possibly ask you next week whether or not we're going to get that Santa rally, because at the moment it looks like Santa's possibly going on strike. Santa's on strike, along with a lot of workers around the world. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Martin Crabb, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Danny. Okay, now let's just check in with some of the leaders in today's trade and see how they were going. Okay, Ingham's Chicken, uh, we've already updated that one in terms of the trading update. At Life360, I understand, has offered a new platform to the UK market. John's Ling uh, also doing well, up 4%, super retail. And look at that, Qantas, uh, finally some buying coming in there. And let's have a look at the laggards and uh, the top stocks and see what was happening in that space. And hopefully they will be coming up at some stage. There we go. Sayona Mining and Sira Resources off by around 8%. And Lake Resources, haven't seen that one for a while, off by 4.5%. And Alcom, as well as Pilbara Minerals. Really interesting. So much weakness there in the lithium stocks, which is probably not surprising given the Panasonic results that we saw out last night, which basically shows that uh, demand for for uh, lithium ion batteries is falling and uh, that would suggest that electric vehicle sales are also under pressure. So Tesla was off about 5% is my understanding overnight. Now what's happening in the small caps and let's check in with some of the leaders there. Encounter Resources and Calidus Resources up by about 15% and Cycle Farm up by 14%, Cocal up 10% and Creoscorbital don't even know what that does. Forget that. Base resources off by 14, Terracom 11, Carnaby resources off 9, and Ioneer off 8. Okay, let's now have a check in and see what is happening overnight. And hopefully we will have an update. But I do know we've got US employment cost index. U.S. home prices and U.S. consumer confidence, as well as more U.S. earnings. And of course, it is the start of the two-day FOMC meeting. And what else is happening in terms of tomorrow? So September building approvals, house prices for October. And also looking further ahead is that U.S. Fed policy meeting and jobs openings. Well, that, of course, will be important. New Zealand unemployment for Q3. 
and a more global manufacturing PMIs for October. So a final recap of the market. SIBO 200 slightly positive up 0.18 of a point and the ASX 200 squeaked out almost an eight point increase or 0.12%. And just quickly giving you a reading on the Aussie dollar because it has been weaker today, currently trading around 63.5 cents. And a quick look at the futures markets in the US. And at the moment, we do have uh, negative futures in the US. But hey, a lot can happen between now and when the US opens. Well, thank you for joining us today on the COB. And of course, have a great happy Halloween. And for those of you out trick-or-treating, don't have too much fun. But we, of course, will be here at 9.30 bright and early in the morning. Mm-hmm.